Welcome to Pastors Confidential. We're Michelle and Eric Waters. Two pastors. One podcast. Here's what we're talking about today. Good morning. Good morning. It's been a long morning already. It has been a long morning already, but here we are. That's right. Here we are. So... Uh, so yeah, so a lot was going on in our church recently in the last uh, last week. We had mm. a great confirmation class. Eight students stood up and confirmed their faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior as part of our 11 o'clock service. So mm-hmm. I was really pleased with that. And of course, the star of the show was our very own Jonathan Thomas. I don't think he was the star of the show. Well, he was the star of my but show. But for our show, yes. yes so this is our show. fifth confirmation. Yep. Got one more to go in a couple of years for Matthew, hopefully. Yeah. And yeah, he had a good time. Our dog's got a loud toy again in the background, yeah, yeah. unfortunately. Well, what can you say? He'll stop with that in a minute. Uh, so that was exciting. Confirmation went, went very well. And then this coming weekend, we have our church's wild game dinner. Yes. Uh, and I hear that uh, our, it's completely sold out. Mm-hmm. From what I understand, this is the first time it's ever been oh, sold really? out. So nice. yeah. So that's pretty amazing. How many tickets do we uh, get? 600 tickets <gasps> are all sold. There's going to yeah. be 600 people at this? Yeah, so it's going to be kind of a tight fit. I, I don't think. remember it being that big. No, it never well, has you been. you know, there's probably also some formula for, you know, if you sell 100 tickets, maybe only 90 people show up. You know, there's well, there's, probably there's, there's like definitely that. that. Right. But still. But still, yeah, there's, it's so pretty amazing. So and that's, all the that's, money goes to charity. All the money goes to local and local, uh, yeah. national, international charities. Okay. So that's... That's very exciting. That's coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, so really looking forward to that. And then uh, the weekend after, May 7th, we have a visit from our pastoral candidate, mm-hmm. Tony Eade. So he'll be here. Yep. And I encourage people, if they haven't already, to sign up for the potluck, because uh, otherwise we're all going to be hungry. We're going to so be hungry. People will definitely sign I up. Hope there's they always sign up way, for the too, there's way yeah. too much always. But yeah, sign up. We're going to have to take that toy. Is that really bad? It's, well, It's you know, pretty it's bad. Let me cute. pause it really all quick. Right. We're going to have to pause. For the first time ever, we are pausing. Just a minute. All right, he literally stopped right when I hit pause, yeah. so I actually did not take the toy away. I'm sure, oh, I'm sure it's going to come back. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so that's going to be great. And then the big news is we might have a... Well, we might have a school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So council has deliberated on this for the last two council meetings. Uh, and we are recommending to the congregation that St. John Lutheran starts a school in the fall. Uh, we're tentative, tentatively looking at pre-K through fifth, although, you know, it might only end up being pre-K through third or something mm-hmm. like that, but... You know, pre-K through 5th, uh, starting in the fall. So there'll be informational meetings on that the next three weeks. And then a vote scheduled for May 21st. And we kind of have to move quick on this because with yeah. the way schools work, May is the registration month. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so parents have to, you know, put their money down for where they're going to send their kids in the fall yeah. in May. So that's that's why we're yeah. moving now. But Well, and it kind of just fell into our lap. But we have a history of starting schools at St. John's. So. We do. Yeah, we started uh, Geneva School, mm-hmm. which has since moved on. And then uh, Ambleside is housed at our, our uh-huh. campus. Uh, it's not a ministry of ours, but it's housed right, there. Right. So. Yeah, but this, this, however, would be a ministry of the church. Yeah, exactly. So, so a lot of exciting things happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then on top of that, you know, we've got some graduations coming up, and our boys are going out to Washington, D.C. with their grandfather tomorrow. Yes, so Very the, the, exciting. Yes, the tradition is that when you're 10 or 11, it used mm-hmm. to be, you got to go to Washington, D.C. with Papa, and um, then... Johnny didn't get to go because of COVID. Right. So this this is the first time that he's taking two kids. It's usually a Papa one child mm-hmm. event, but it's going to be Papa and Johnny and Matthew. Yes, so it's going to be great. Uh, Washington D.C. is a great place to go visit. I mean, wonderful monuments and mm-hmm. uh, uh, and museums and things like that. And I think the boys are are probably even more excited about the fact that Papa will take them out to eat. So yes, they're, they're they'll, get, they'll definitely get to eat. With, they will yes. be wined and dined, so to speak. I so to speak. So yes. yeah. 
Yes. So they're looking forward to that. Yes. So yeah. that's good. And um, then that is about it for now, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's about it. So. So I was not in class. What was I doing? You were doing confirmation. Oh yes, we yeah. had a rehearsal mm-hmm. on Wednesday night for the confirmands. Yes. Yep. So I was not in class. So you're going to have to <coughs> carry me. the load as always. Yes. Well, so we're in Jeremiah. Uh, Jeremiah part two. It's a very long book, over 50 chapters. And mm-hmm. so we did half, uh, or rather, Vicar Justin did the first half, and I'm doing the second half. Uh, so there's a lot to cover, but I, I just want to kind of hit a few different highlights. And um, this is what you just did. This is so, what yes. I just did. Got it. Right, okay. right. On Wednesday. So okay. I, I wanted to hit a few highlights, and I wanted to, to kind of put it under, under the umbrella of Jeremiah is an unusual prophet. Uh, because of his con- because of his personal personality or his personal confessions mm-hmm. and what are called the sign acts and so the mm-hmm. personal the personality of personal confessions uh, Jeremiah is the first prophet where we kind of get his sense of what's going on uh, and so you know God by this point God has raised up several prophets already Amos Hosea Isaiah uh, others and, and you know he'll say thus says the Lord and they'll speak through the prophets okay. but we don't really hear the prophets reflecting on what it means to be a prophet of God. Mm. Well, Jeremiah changes that for us. And so Jeremiah, <laughs> in chapter 20, uh, he has what are called the confessions, which are not like, you know, he admits he's done something wrong, but mm. rather it's this expression of what's going through his mind. It says in Jeremiah 20, O Lord, you have deceived me, and I was deceived. You are stronger than I am. You have prevailed against me. I have become a laughing stock all the day. Everybody mocks me because whenever I speak, I cry out and shout violence and destruction. For the word of the Lord has become for me a reproach and a derision all the day long. Well, wasn't he called the weeping prophet? The weeping prophet, yes, because he uh, he <laughs> sheds of that tears kind of thing? exactly. And then the book of Lamentations is ascribed to uh, to Jeremiah the prophet. Yes. And so it's really a stunning thing. You know, this is uh, 700 years, I'm sorry, 600 years before the birth of Christ. Okay. Uh, so it's ancient history, you know, but, but to have this, this personal psychological profile of what it means to be a prophet. Mm. You know, Lord, you have deceived me and I was deceived. It's like God is forcing himself mm-hmm. upon Jeremiah and Jeremiah doesn't want it. And it goes a little bit later in the same chapter, uh, same chapter, verse 14. Cursed be the day on which I was born, the day my mother bore me. Let it not be blessed. Cursed be the man who brought the news to my father. You know, so he sounds kind of like Job. He sounds a lot like Job. Yeah, he sounds a lot like Job. He sounds a lot like, like a sullen teenager. But you kind of get a sense of, <laughs> of what it must have been like to be a prophet. Okay. That it was not easy. No. You know that, that God said to him, you know, I'm going to call you to speak my message. And Jeremiah tells us that it's not nice to speak the message. It's not pleasant because he's always crying out violence and destruction and everybody avoids him, mocks him, derides him, hates him, scorns yeah. him. And so he's completely isolated and to the point where he says, I wish I'd never been born. Mm. So it's a really stunning uh, kind of a stunning insight into what it means to be a prophet. Yes. Uh, and I, and uh, this next thing I wanted to point out, one of the, the first of the sign acts is one of the reasons why, you know, maybe maybe Jeremiah didn't have a whole lot of friends because he was doing things like this. <laughs> so this is Jeremiah 13, mm-hmm. Jeremiah's loincloth. Mm. So thus says the Lord, uh, go and buy a linen loincloth and put it around your waist. Do not dip it in water. So I bought a loincloth. According to the word of the Lord, I put it around my waist. It's kind of weird. You know? Super weird not yeah. to dip it. Who would dip it in water? I don't it's like know. the point of a diaper is to not get it wet. Right? Yeah, it's basically I don't know. a diaper, right? A loincloth? Yeah, well, maybe it means like after you wear it, don't dip it. I, I don't know. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. And the word of the Lord came to me a second time. Take the loincloth that you have bought, which is around your waist, arise, go to the river Euphrates, hide it there in a cleft of the rock. 
So I went and I hid it by the Euphrates as the Lord commanded. And after many days, the Lord said, Arise, go back to the Euphrates. Take from there the loincloth that I commanded you to hide. I went to the Euphrates, I dug, I took the loincloth from the place where I had hidden it, and behold, the loincloth was spoiled. It was good for nothing, as you can imagine. So, right? well, and was he naked in the meantime? No, well, it's, that's the thing. So, you know, he's parading around Jerusalem here wearing a linen <laughs> loincloth. But then he has to hide it. At the command of the Lord, right? Uh-huh. And then God says, go bury this loincloth. Okay. Now, presumably he came back with clothes on. Right, right. yeah. He had another then, one in, in store. Yeah. And then, you know, after like, who knows how many weeks or months, he goes back, digs the thing up, and it's all spoiled. Right. And you're thinking, what in the world is this? Yes. I mean, if this is what it means to be a prophet, what in the world? I am thinking that right now. And then God explains it to him. Verse 8. And the word of the Lord came to me, thus says the Lord, even so will I spoil the pride of Judah and the pride of Jerusalem. For this evil evil people who refuse to hear my words, who stubbornly follow their own heart and have gone after other gods to serve them and worship them, shall be like this loincloth, which is good for nothing. For as the loincloth clings to the waist of a man, so I made the whole house of Israel and the house of Judah to cling to me, declares the Lord, hmm. that they might be for me a people, a name, a praise, a glory, but they would not listen. Interesting. And so it's what's called a sign act, that right. first he does something uh, that illustrates... Uh, it illustrates what God will say, um, and, but then only it's after it's done does God say, okay, and here's the meaning of oh, okay, it. Okay, right. So that's called a sign act. Got it. Uh, and th- this is very typical of, uh, of Jeremiah, these kind of things. And we've seen this already. Yeah. You know, a great example would be Ho- uh, Hosea, who is told to go and marry Gomer, exactly. the prostitute, yep. as an illustration of God's mm-hmm. love for his unfaithful mm-hmm. people, right? So that would be another sign act. It's a lot more drastic, um, that one. Yeah. yeah. But you kind of get a sense of, you know, maybe why people avoided him, right? Well, yeah, his definitely. life was pretty hard. Mm-hmm. But it's also a wonderful insight into God's own love for us. Uh, because, you know, there's, it, it's really remarkable. God says, for as a loincloth clings to the waist of a man, so I made the whole house of Israel and Judah to cling to me. And it's this image of, of God's intimate, really almost his scandalous love for the people of Israel. That, you know, they cling to the most intimate part of him. Um, and that's that's picked up in the, later in the New Testament, the Bride of Christ. Uh, we've seen it mm. earlier in the Old Testament with Gomer, his wife. Uh-huh. You know, uh, but it, it's this illustration of God's deep love for His people that He made them to be to be with Him uh, in, in a level of relationship of intimacy that no other people on earth uh, were ever to enjoy. Uh, and yet they turned away from Him. Mm-hmm. So there's there's a lot more there than just a dirty diaper. Right? Yes, it's definitely. But you got to dig at it. So yeah. <laughs> uh, now another one is. I don't know if that's like, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And another one is the basket of figs. Oh the yeah, basket the basket of, of figs. figs. So here's another sign act. Okay. This is Jeremiah 24. So after Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had taken into exile from Jerusalem all the nobles. So after this. The Lord showed me a vision, and behold, two baskets of figs were placed before the temple of the Lord. One basket had very good figs, the uh, like first ripe figs, but the other had baskets. The other basket had very bad figs, so bad that they could not even be eaten. Hmm. And the Lord said to me, "What do you see, Jeremiah?" And I said, "Figs. The good figs very good, the bad figs very bad, so bad that they cannot be eaten." So it's this. Uh, so it's this vision of figs, you know, two baskets, one filled with good figs, one filled with, with bad figs. Um, and as I said in class, this is the original basket of deplorables, right? Oh, I missed uh, that joke. You yeah. said that in class. That's a pretty one. Yeah, because right, the, the figs were so bad they could not even be eaten. Mm, it's just thrown away, right? So it's the original basket of deplorables. Wow. 
Um, and so what you would expect is that, uh, you know, what, what we'd expect is that, okay, well, the good figs are the good people and the righteous. Yep. The bad figs are the bad people, the wicked. And, you know, God will toss away the, the wicked and preserve the righteous, right? That's okay. what you expect. Yes. But that's not what actually happens. Okay. So verse 4. The word of the Lord came to me. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, like these good figs, so I shall regard the exiles. Show I so I shall regard as good the exiles from Judah, okay. whom I have sent away from this place to the land of Chaldeans. For I will set my eyes upon them for good, and I will bring them back to this land, and I will build them up, and I will not tear them down, and I will plant them and not pluck them up, and I will give them a heart to know that I am the Lord, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God. For they shall return to me with their whole heart. Yeah, I mean, isn't Jeremiah the prophet that says, you know, we will have, he will turn our heart of stone into a heart of flesh and all these things. Is that Jeremiah? Uh, that's Ezekiel. But, oh, yeah. okay. Well, Jeremiah says, I'll give them a new heart. Mm -hmm. Right? Is that what you just read? Yeah. yeah. So we're getting to that part Oh, we're too. getting to that yeah. part too. Okay. Got yeah, it. And so, uh, but I'm kind of setting us up there. Oh, okay. So but what, what's a, what to me is surprising is that you got these two figs, right? And again, it's, it's not a moral category. Okay. It's really a geographic one. So the people who have already been sent away into exile are the good ones. Okay. And of course, there's nothing good about them. I mean, there was a reason that they were sent off into exactly. exile because they disobeyed God time and time and time and mm -hmm. time again. So, I mean, they're, they're getting the punishment they deserve. And yet God says that these are the ones whom I shall count as good. And I will call them back to myself and they shall return to me with their whole heart. Uh, and these ones who are off in exile far, far away in Babylon. And so I see this kind of as... as uh, uh, sort of like the parable of the prodigal son. You know, the prodigal son is morally he's a bad man. I mean, he tells his right. dad to drop dead and takes the money and squanders it. Got it. But then in that far off country, he comes to his he comes to himself. He comes to his senses, and he returns to the father. Mm -hmm. uh, in the same way, these exiles are getting what they deserve. They've messed it up. Mm -hmm. But in that far off country, they'll come to their senses and they'll and they'll return to God. Okay. So it's really kind of an a, amazing uh, image there, the basket of figs. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the bad ones, so those are the good figs, yeah, the ones right. who are already away. The bad ones are the ones left behind. And God says there's there's nothing good for them. Uh, verse 9, I will make them a horror to all the kingdoms of the earth, a reproach, a byword, a taunt, a curse, and all the places where I shall drive them. Wow. And I will send sword, famine, and pestilence upon them until they are utterly destroyed. My. So in other words, you know, Jerusalem is doomed. The city mm -hmm. will be destroyed. Right. Which happens. Which is exactly what happens, right? But this idea of God will send his people away uh, to get what they deserve, and there in the far-off land of exile, they'll come to their senses and return to God. Uh, this then becomes the, the note of hope on which the book of Jeremiah ends. So a very famous passage from Jeremiah, arguably the most famous passage in the whole book, one that we heard read in the confirmation yesterday. service yesterday because it's a very famous passage it's jeremiah 29, uh, 29. 11. Okay. um i think every year somebody picks this oh, as yeah. their verse so. it's a great it's a mm -hmm. great verse and i'm going to kind of set it up by starting in verse four okay so thus says the lord of hosts the god of israel to all the exiles whom i have sent into exile from jerusalem to babylon build houses and live in them plant gardens and eat their produce Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons. Give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters and multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you shall find your welfare. Mm. So God says to them, listen, I've sent you away, sent you off to Babylon and, you know, get comfortable. 
because you're going to be there for at least three generations, right? So you all get married, and then your kids get married, oh, right. and then That's your grandkids will get married too. Okay. So you settle in because you're going to be there for a long time, okay. right? But that wasn't the famous passage. No, but we're getting there. Okay. I'm, I'm setting it up, right? Oh, you're always so setting we're getting it up. There, always okay? setting it up. So he says to these people, you know, you're going to be, I'm, I'm sending you off into exile, and you're going okay. to be there for at least three generations. So just Which is good to know. hang tight, right? right? And then verse 10, for thus says the Lord, when 70 years, roughly three, four generations, mm-hmm. when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and I will bring you back to this place for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a hope and a future. And then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I shall be found by you and I will restore your fortunes. And I will gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I have sent you into exile. So that's the, the context, right? We often hear it as, you know, God has nothing but good planned for us. Uh, I know the good things I have planned for you, declares the Lord. It's planned to give you a hope and a future that, you know, everything God has a, a, a vision for us and everything's going to be good. Everything will work out well. But this is kind of like our coffee cup Christianity, right? Yes. By the way, everybody loves that idea. Good. We got a lot of feedback we'll, on that last we'll week. Get her done. So we're going to have to do that one. Okay. Um, uh, yes. But in the original context, yes. what God is saying is, y'all have messed up. Yeah. You know, I, I have sent you prophet after yeah. prophet after prophet for century upon century upon century. You have not listened. Mm-hmm. Now I'm sending you off into exile. I'm punishing you, putting you in time out. And you know what? Settle now because you're going to be in time out for... Th- 70 years mm. for three generations mm-hmm. but i know the plans mm-hmm. i have for you declares the lord mm-hmm. plans to give you a hope plans to give you a future i will bring you back to this place mm-hmm. right? though you do not deserve it although you though, though you yourself will not be around to see it yet i will do this because of the promise i mm. have made for you and so it's really about god's plans for the people in spite of uh, what they've done for themselves yeah it's really a remarkable turnaround yes know? it is and then we'll wrap it up with um, one last thing along the same lines, uh, two chapters later, which is the very famous promise of the new covenant. Mm-hmm. This is so, what I was talking about, right? Exactly. So again, you know, the, the new covenant, uh, God is sending his people off uh, into exile. Nebuchadnezzar, so the first people have been sent off into exile. Nebuchadnezzar has come back. The army is at the gates. Um, Jeremiah is telling the people, you know, give up now because the Babylonians are going to take the city. And if you don't give up, they're going to come and kill you all. Okay. So it's just, it's a horrible, horrible time. And this is what God says through Jeremiah. So it's Jeremiah, uh, we'll pick it up with verse 30, Jeremiah 31, 31. Okay. Uh, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant I made with their fathers, on the day when I took them up by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, though I was their husband, mm-hmm. declares the Lord. Right, And there's that, that covenant language that mm-hmm. God married his people. God claimed the virgin daughter of Zion to be his own, and she was unfaithful to him. Okay. Um, for this is the covenant. Right? This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God, they shall be my people, and no longer shall each one teach the neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity, and I shall remember their sin no more. Mm. 
Uh, and so God makes this promise that even with a, the enemy literally at the gates, uh, God makes a promise that this is not the end of the story, but that he himself, for his own namesake, will make a new covenant with the people. Mm-hmm. Not like the covenant God made with them on Sinai, which was a two-way covenant, right? <clears throat> the Ten Commandments. I will be, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm your God, you're my people, here's what I've done for you, mm-hmm. brought you up out of Egypt, here's what you do for me, you shall have no other gods, remember the Sabbath day, so on and so forth. And they, they broke it. Mm-hmm. God was faithful to his end, but they broke it. And so God says, I'm, I'm going to make a new covenant, not like that one, but this is going to be like the covenant I made with Abraham, like the covenant I made with David, where I make a promise to my people and I will keep it out. Uh, it's called a covenant of divine commitment, mm-hmm. that it's a one-way promise. God promises to do this, and God will be faithful. He says, I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, that I shall write my law upon their hearts, uh, that God will do this, that, that God will do for the people what they could never do for themselves. Uh, you know, in Alpha, we used to talk about how the you know Moses comes down the mountain with the, the big tablets, right. Right? and they were they were heavy. And so the people are always putting them down. You know, mm-hmm. they, they can maybe carry some of the commandments some of the time or all the commandments for a short time, but they couldn't they okay. couldn't carry all the commandments all the time. It was just too much of a burden. And so God says, I'm going to do a new thing. I'm going to write the commandments on your heart so that instead of burdening, burdening you from the outside, it will lift you up from the inside. I'm going to write the commandments on your heart uh, so that you will be my people and I will be your God. And on top of that, he says, I will forgive their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. And so that will be the sign of the covenant. Uh, Just as the sign of the covenant God made with Noah was the rainbow, and the sign of the covenant God made with Abraham was circumcision, so the sign of the covenant God makes with these people will be forgiveness, that he will Hmm. forgive their iniquities and not punish them. And it's in this context that Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, uh, took Mm -hmm. took the cup and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, mm-hmm. poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. And so Jesus hearkens back to this passage, and he says, you know that, that covenant that Jeremiah was talking about? This is it. right? This is the covenant I am making with you, a covenant in my blood. I will die for you. I will rise from the dead for you. I will never go back on my promise to you. Mm. And it's a covenant for the forgiveness of sins, mm. uh, that you will know me, all of you, from the least of you to the greatest. So... Well, wow. Okay, yeah. well, but um, this idea of writing the law on the hearts, mm-hmm. um, that is, is that where we get the idea that we can know, you know, the basic natural law, I guess you'd call it, or the moral law, without, we can't know the 614 crazy mm-hmm. laws in Leviticus, but like the, the most basic right and wrong, we know that written on our hearts. Is that is that an idea that yeah, comes from I'd, there? Yeah, I'd say there's a couple of ways to interpret it. One would be the moral law, that God has given us a conscience. Uh, God has given mm-hmm. us the ability to turn to determine right from wrong, yeah. uh, and that we all know that and we can ignore it, You know, which is what we see happening around us in our culture mm-hmm. today, but we all know it to be true. Okay. So that would be the, the basic moral law, the okay. conscience natural law is yeah. what we call it. Right. Uh, another, which was pointed out by somebody in the class, was that here God says that I, I will do this from the least of them to the greatest. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it's a covenant God makes not with the people of Israel as a whole necessarily, but with individuals. Okay. And again, this is a new thing. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, Definitely. up until now, his, his covenant promises have been with, with a nation, but now God promises to okay. make it to individuals, which is what we see realized in the, when, when Jesus comes. Okay. Um, and then the third one is the means by which God will make it, that I will write the law mm. in their hearts. 
Now, later on in the prophet of Ezekiel, he uh, he um, elaborates or clarifies that it's through the Holy Spirit right. that it's the I, I will give them a, a heart of flesh, yes. and not a heart of stone, mm-hmm. by the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay. And so it's really that God will do this within us, that He will change us from the inside out, Got that it. we can be His. Mm-hmm. Circumcision so, of the heart. There you go, circumcision of the heart. Exactly. Right. Okay. And so it's a great book. I mean, the the book of Jeremiah is very depressing in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Uh, very strange in others, you yes. know, walking around on a loincloth and yeah. things like that. Yeah. Uh, but there are these moments that, you know, even as the curtain falls, mm-hmm. uh, there, there is, there's this sign that this is not the end of the story, but God will do something great for his people once again. Good. So it's probably a good place to end. That's a very good place to end. And then for next week, uh, we are looking at three prophets who were contemporaries of Jeremiah. Okay. Zephaniah, Nahum, and Habakkuk. Ooh. So, you know, if you want to take a glance through those, great. But it's a lot to read. So just know that we're looking at those They're not too long, actually. Yeah. Well, Zephaniah is pretty long. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, good. We'll talk about it next time.